It is Locked on Jazz, live edition from the van down by the river. We'll see if it works today or not. What is a good night for the Utah Jazz? Wasn't the other night maybe as good as we could possibly imagine? And an impossible task for Jazz fans to try to handle this year. I'm not sure I'm capable of it, and I'm probably pretty certain you're not either. We'll do that, plus take your questions on a fun edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen every single day on this Wednesday edition of the show is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying subscriptions you don't want or need, and they can even negotiate better deals for you than you want to keep. We are live in the van down by the river, or maybe not down by the river. Oh, those lights are actually a little, let me just turn those off. So hope everyone's good. Let's see. Does this, oh, I don't want side lights. Let's see if this makes it better. There we go. There's the dome lighting. Welcome to the van down by the river. Hope everyone's enjoying it. Uh, hopefully we're making it way better to be a jazz fan. Thank you very much, Taylor. Uh, we're trying this. If it works, it's really cool because it means I can do all sorts of fun things like get up really early, get to ski resorts, do shows, go skiing, have a wonderful day. Um, so we'll see if it works. Um, I, Andrew, I'm in my van. Uh, we don't want to call it an RV, but it's a little, uh, um, see, it's a, it's a little, little longer than a regular sprinter van. So it's kind of somewhere in between. Um, by the way, if anyone's wondering, that is the espresso maker back there. So yes, the espresso makers back there. Um, this is my new toy. Um, I look really happy. I love my new toy. Um, it's kind of cool. Pop top up there for you if anyone's into this stuff this is like this youtube's gonna hit because this is gonna be like a van tour as well as a podcast um for the utah jazz all right so i was thinking about the charlotte game and i don't know if i am wrong on this one or not but i got the vibe from everyone that they didn't love that game like that didn't give everyone a feeling that this was like a really wet like you didn't leave that game saying yay jazz right like oh we're really but what do we want like, is our level of appreciation and a good night just a 30-point blowout every night? Like, is that that we hit 23s, we go bananas from three, we kill someone by 20, and that makes us feel like we're having a good night every night? Because that's actually not real. That's actually not sustainable. What's really interesting to me about the Charlotte game is the more I think about it, the better a night I think it is. This is sometimes where I think the players and the coaches get things that we don't that we don't necessarily get right away. So Rudy Gobert in our post game was like, that was a really good win. I was like, wow. Like I didn't necessarily think it was that good a win, right? We were up 21. They whittled it down. We lost the lead. 
And then we go on and we go on a 12-2 run to close it. And from Rudy's perspective, he's like, that was a super good win. We played really well. We did all these things. We were unselfish. And I think he might be really right. And then Quinn was a little bit afterwards. So let's walk through what that night was. One is they hit him early, right? So they took a staggered team and they hit him early. Your night's easier now. If you're up 21, you're, you know, you go on a 12-2 run to close the game because you're not tired. If you think about San Antonio and Washington, we're playing either from behind or we're we're kind of working our way back into those games. San Antonio, we get down six with six minutes left. You're actually using a lot more energy. You're tired. And in Washington game, when I went back and rewatched, we just had a bunch of brainless, tired plays that, you know, brainless meaning like you're tired, right? Your brain's not functioning the way it naturally would as a player. Like Royce, there was a play where I talked about where Royce is just not on Bradley Beal. Like he knows better than that. He just, but like he's tired, like he's trying to find the other way out. Um, so I think there's an aspect of that Two, We got unbelievable looks all night. I think we had, uh, the third best shot quality of any game we've had all season long. We had like a ton of wide open catch and shoots, which means we're moving the ball and getting it to people. We had potential assists is a much better number than assists. Um, because potential assists gives you an idea of ball movement. Our potential assists were through the roof. Like, you actually should look at players and figure out what their potential assists are rather than their assists. It's a, it's actually a better indicator. Seth Part now writes about it in his book. It makes a ton of sense. Um, and so we were through the roof on potential assists. We were through the roof on catch and shoot. We had our third best shot quality tonight. We missed a ton of shots. A ton of shots. Just missed and missed and missed and missed. And won the game. Like, to me, that's pretty great. So you got what you're supposed to get. You executed you're supposed to get. Didn't hit, which is to some extent luck, right? That's or sample size. Like I'm a big believer that by the end of the year, Boyan Bogdanovich is going to shoot 40% from three. On some night, he's going to be eight of 10. And another night, he's going to be O of 10. And then by that, those, and you're going to say he sucks on one night and he's the greatest on the other. But actually when it's done, he's eight of 20 and that's 40%. Like, so it's just taking a small sample size. And actually an individual basketball game is, is, is beautiful in the sense that 100 possessions is almost enough to not be a small sample size, but it actually still is a pretty small sample size when you get into the nitty-gritty. So catch-and-shoot three is a small sample size. Catch-and-shoot three, like that, on that. So we're going to have another night where we go 20 of whatever. And so I really thought that that was a pretty good night. Like that's about as you, you start lining these things up. So we hit early, we got a ton of good looks, we missed, we defended them beautifully most of the night, we crashed the offensive glass, so that's effort, we dictated the game, and I thought we were forceful, we dictated the game most of the night, because we were hitting the offensive glass, which was taking away their transition, and preventing them from doing what they wanted to do, which is get out and run and play free, in the first half of the game. So that's another area where we dictated the game and did that. So to me, that's, to me, that's, that's a good game. Like, and it's interesting because I don't, I, I think we actually have to think this is today's show is really kind of about where we are as a fan base and what we're feeling. We had a bunch of days off there. Right. And like, frankly, Phoenix is freaking great. Phoenix is way better than us right now. Like I'm not like, I'm watching Phoenix. Every time I watch Phoenix, my reaction is they look better than us right now. Doesn't matter. Like, we got to get better than them by game 70. I would say they look better than us right now. 
Um, our numbers are better than theirs, actually. So I might be wrong, and it might be just that, like, envious you look at. Like, there was a game last year where the Lakers and Clippers played. Maybe this was two years ago. This might have been pre-pandemic. <laughs> ah! Okay, sorry. Um, sorry for those listening on the radio or on the podcast and wondering what just happened, but I think we all like, um, so the Lakers and, uh, Clippers played like a sun, sat, Saturday afternoon or Sunday, Saturday night or Sunday ABC game. And I remember watching it and being like, Oh God, like they're both way better than us. I have a tendency to do that where I watch another team and think they're way better than us. Um, but I did feel that. And I watched that. I think Phoenix is better than us right now. But, it, you know, but I also understand, like, I thought Phoenix was the best team in the West by a large margin when the season started. Like, my numbers had Phoenix on top of everything. So, anyway, I mean, I think that my, my a little bit of this whole show today is going to be this concept of of getting to getting to this. What is a good night? Like, what are we actually looking for as a fan base? Because we are getting caught in this, like, up and down, like, every time we lose, it's catastrophic. And every time we win, we're the greatest. And so it's an interesting little mix of that. Um, all right. I want to take a bunch of your questions as well. Uh, but and one of them just came in uh, from uh, Keith Anderson, who said there's a really good article by Sarah Todd in the Desert News today. It talks about teams approach to the regular season this year. And that actually is what we're going to talk about next. I do want to give a hat tip to Sarah Todd or this is uh, Ray says this is a neutral hat today. It's a comfy hat today. My wife says I look terrible in hats and I love hats and it drives her crazy every time I wear them. Um, but uh, I, um, I, uh, sorry, that was like personal and I don't know why I shared it. Um, I want to give a hat tip to Sarah Todd this year because she, as we're a media group, right? So Andy and Eric and Ryan Miller and Ben Anderson and Ryan um, and, uh, you know, everyone. I don't want to leave anyone out. Tony Jones um, and Holly Rowe and the value when someone in the room is doing great work. We all benefit because there's a lot limited one-on-one time. Sarah Todd has asked some of the best questions this year to both our people and opposing people and given us insights that we just didn't have otherwise. She's really done a wonderful job um, this year in that regard. That's not, you know, the other, this is not a slight to anyone else. This is if they're listening and they're, you know, so competitive that they're like, why didn't I get mentioned? Um, Please let me know. I'll make sure I give you your appreciation as well. Um, that's how I am. I would be listening right now and being like, why did he mention Sarah? Not my good question from last Tuesday. Um, but I do think Sarah's really done um, a fabulous job with it. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Intercap Lending, uh, located uh, all around the Wasatch front for you. And our own personal loan officer, Steve Carter, is simply the best. It's such a great pleasure that we have Steve Carter on our team because I can sit here and tell you with no reserve at all that Steve Carter will treat you with world-class attentive detail. Intercap lending is hyper-responsive. They are a direct lender. They get the deals done. They are growing and growing and growing. And why do lenders grow? Because they lend and they get deals done and it makes realtors happy and they get things and they get financing done. And that makes everyone happy because that's their business. And Steve Carter is at the core of it. Call 385-885-28. If you want to call Steve directly, you are more than welcome to email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock. 09 at gmail.com and uh, have me uh, reach out to Steve 
directly and connect the two of you. I don't mind that. In fact, I like it. So um, you can do that as well. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. If you reach out on your own, please make sure you mention you're with Lockdown Jazz. We have a corporate account with them, so you get the corporate discount. Steve's Carter's number is 385-800-8528, or you can just email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. All right, so this is kind of funny because my van is my calm. So this is my, like, escape, my getaway, my be there, my COVID safe way to ski, my everything. This is, like, my, like, I just need this. We can do a psycho deep dive on my jacked up brain and why I need this. Um, But this is my deal. The other one that I have found that I really love is Calm. Um, And Calm is a meditation, you know, wellness app. Um, LeBron uses it for sleep. I use it for, um, frankly, just general everyday slowing down, catching focus. Um, It has helped my focus. It has eased my stress. It has allowed me to get through things better. Um, Every, you know what, like in all aspects of life, like I have serious, like dentist, like I was at the dentist yesterday I don't like that. Like I get a little claustro and what did I do? Um, and, uh, the, I, um, what did I do yesterday? But I, um, you know, was at the dentist and kind of went into my meditation breathing. It's really cool. Just check it out. Like, uh, I have a guy that I really, really like. He, um, at calm.com slash lockdown NBA, you can get 40% off your premium subscription. Nice holiday gift for someone as well. Be a funny one. Like, I think you, uh, this might help you. Uh, calm.com slash locked on NBA, uh, for you, uh, get 40% off your offer. All right. So Sarah Todd wrote a piece, which actually, honestly, I have not read. But I heard all of her questions, and it was, and she picked up on something really interesting, that when we won eight in a row, both Donovan and Rudy were like, you know what, we're not that into eight-game winning streaks like we used to be. We're not that high from them. Mike Conley reiterated, like, wow, I've never been on a team like this before that felt that way. Um, I wonder if these are all the quotes she used. I'm sure it's a great story, so go read it. And then when they lost two in a row, they were actually really consistent to the same approach where they were like, well, we just lost two in a row, but that's all right. Cause that's not what this is about. And what this is about for them is being better at game 70 and being better at game 75 and being ready for being ready for game seven of the NBA playoff series that they're going to be in at some point in time by the 70th game of the year. So that when DeJounte Murray at six foot six takes Mike Conley in the lane and hits the shot, you know, it's a pretty interesting moment in time for the for the Jazz as a franchise and their growth because, like, well, what are we going to do if we're playing a team that has that player and how do we deal with it? So um, I think that, you know, I think that that's – this is where this team is, is. And this is, I think, the impossible task for Jazz fans this year is this idea that somehow we're supposed to be able to not go with the ebb and flow and look at these nights in this bigger picture of 70 games down the road. And it's really interesting to watch because as the media, like it's not how we cover a team. It's as a fan base, not how we root for a team. And um, yet as a team, Quinn's exactly right. Quinn's got this team completely into the mindset of like we're playing to be better in game 70, 75, and 80. And the players are reiterating that back to us so that when they win eight in a row, what they're actually thinking about is like, okay, well, what in that winning streak did we do well or did we not do well that we need to do better so that we can beat the Clippers in game six and get game seven back to home and then win game seven. 
What do we need to do better so that we don't lose a 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets? The, these are the items that this group is kind of really, really dead focused on right now. And they're holding to that really consistently. And it's really opposite of where we are as a fan base, which makes this a pretty interesting little journey we're all on together. And I have not, you know, I've only been around it once before probably in my life. And that was the second time the Jazz went back to the NBA Finals. We knew that entire year that the Jazz were going back to the Finals. That wasn't close, right? We beat the Houston Rockets team that was super great. Um, I was doing pre-half, to those who don't know, I was doing pre-half time and post-game for the Jazz then, so I was around. Um, you know, we beat the Houston Rockets in that season, and we were super, that was a great series. They had Elijah one, they had Drexler, they had Barkley. The next year, they weren't very good, and we had, um, we, um, we ended up with a, you know, a different approach to that one, which was that, the, you know, the next year we were just going to beat everyone. We swept the Lakers. We were way better than everyone. It's just a question of whether we could beat the Bulls. And so that, in retrospect, if I'd known more, that season was probably that very much exact same kind of thing where you're playing for that, um, you know, that kind of progression. That's what we're playing with. And we know what those are. How do we deal with switching? We dealt with it badly against Washington. Like, okay, they switched on us. We got stymied. Charlotte, I thought, did something really interesting. They changed our defense to us against us every three or four plays, and our guy's goal was to stay aggressive, but that seems almost impossible to be that aggressive when someone's changing on you and you're trying to read the circumstance each and every time. So each of these is really, really kind of um, an interesting mode uh, to look at. All right, let's go to the, some of the questions that have come in. Um, Let's see. Uh, we were number one regular season team. It doesn't mean that much when you get bounced in the second round. So I really 100% disagree with this concept. So first off, last year, because we were the number one seed, we played Memphis in the first round in a playoff series. We would win 10 out of 10 times. There was not another playoff series that we would pl- win 10 out of 10 times. In fact, I'm not sure there was another playoff series we would have won more than six out of 10 times. Um, so I think that's, um, I think that's a very, you know, I think that's a difficult, um, process in that, like to say that that first seed didn't matter. Now we lost to the second round of the playoffs, but we could have lost the second round playoffs with the, you know, the Clippers threw something at us. We didn't have an answer for it. Um, what's interesting by the way, is we've really worked. So that's like one of the things that we're working toward game 70. When someone wants to put Rudy Gobert in the far side corner, how can we still impact plays defensively? What's interesting is we've actually done that really, really well this year to the point where both Washington and um, San Antonio went with a different approach, which was to put Rudy Gobert in the dunker spot, which is on the baseline by the side of the glass, and then have their guys pull up from 15 feet, not trying to get to the rim. The Clippers moved Rudy and then attacked the rim, and we Rudy couldn't have an impact. By the time Rudy got there, it was too late. The last little twist we're seeing is that Washington and San Antonio went and took their guys and had them play Gobert back at the baseline, and then they're pulling at 15 or 12 or 8, and Gobert can't affect the shot. So that's like another quest. Like, what's our answer to that in the process of game 70? Like, when they, there's, like, I saw a play the other night. I'm not sure how we totally defend it, which is clear side, tight curl to a mid range shooting guard where Rudy's guy sets the pick, like, is Rudy going to switch? And then that big rolls on Royce. Are we bringing somebody over? Like, that's going to be a really interesting mix. When that's Devin Booker 
off a DeAndre Eaton pick, and Mikel Bridges is lifted, is in this far side corner, so you don't want to leave him and Chris Paul or some other shooter. Let's see who's their fourth guy is there, and Chris Paul's at the top making that pass. That's Jay Crowder lifted high, so you're leaving Jay Crowder basically is what you're doing. Um, but that gets really that gets really uh, really tricky on that. I'll get to more of your questions. There's some good ones out there, and I super appreciate your guys' involvement um, in the show today as we come to you from the van down by the river. It actually seems to be working. We'll see. We'll see if it holds. It's kind of cool. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Promo code LOCK15 will get you a 15% discount at everything at Built.com. Candy cane brownie bites. Are you kidding me? Can it be better? Yes, those are out today. Candy cane brownie bites. I, I have to order more Built Bars. Like, how do they do this? Factory second sale is going on right now as well, and there are coconut brownie chunk in there. I'm not, like, lying about this, people. Like, here. Like, there. They're right here. Um, factory seconds on gingerbread, which just came out a really good factory seconds on Ruby chocolate. So go check it out. The factory seconds are available, all sorts of flavors. Um, I don't know what defines a factory second. You can decide for yourself whether you're willing to gamble that, but I can't figure it's that bad. hundred percent shot, real chocolate, hundred percent, really delicious. It is built bar. The numbers are just outstanding. Uh, the macros, when you get a built bar, you're getting a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. My partner, Carl thinks the caramel Almond Delight is delightful and absolutely fantastic. Built Bar has 130 calories for you, 2.5 fat grams, 4 net carbs, 4 sugars, and 17 grams of protein. Today's show also brought to you by betonline.ag. If you want to get into the action over the holiday weekend and all the bowl games, locked on, get you a 50% welcome bonus. Uh, Friday night football, Niners and the Titans. Niners are a three-point favorite. Over the Titans, Niners have really saved their season um, amazingly. A bunch of college basketball for you tonight on the NBA docket uh, tonight of games of interest for RN Sacramento and the Clippers. Clippers are five and a half point favorite. Denver six and a half point favorite over Oklahoma City. And we'll be back in action tomorrow. Go to betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Let's go to Eric on our – JC is a streaky shooter when he starts – points off drives floaters mid-range he gets hot easier then he can chuck up threes once and he has a four of six instead of a chucking bad three initially he he, jc's an interesting player he's really inefficient right now and it's interesting for me because that's very contrary to what i believe in but he brings such incredible intrinsic value to the team and so many other aspects of things um I think it'll be interesting to see how his season evolves. If you actually look at his play for about the last 12 games, he's right on. He's at about 44% from field and 40% from three. So I think um, I think he's leveled the, the ship and, and has got it rolling um, a little bit. And I think he's... Um, uh, I think he, you know, I think he's bringing all of his value uh, along the way. Uh, Matthew, really enjoy hearing the games on the radio. My question is, where did the tickle the twine come from? And do you have other phrases you use like that? I don't know. Might have stole it from Steve Klauke. Might not have stole it. I don't like catchphrases because I'm not very good at it, probably. I don't use them. Um, I also think you become really dependent on it. Over the time, I've had certain catchphrases that went with players. So every time Favors dunked, it was um, it was a Ron Swanson line from Parks and Rec. I'll take all the eggs and all the bacon, but I haven't brought that back. Um, I've used a few different musical sounds like Rock the Casbah from Clash. And when Rudy dunked the other night, I used it because it was the 40th year anniversary of Combat Rock. 
Um, so there'll be little things like that that I do for my own little thing. If we're in Graceland, uh, if we're in Memphis, I'll probably use something like from Elvis. Um, so I try to play around. Um, Three-point play for a long is I'll use buy one and get one free. Um, I use the Tom Petty, don't do me like that, which I think I stole from Kevin Calabro. Um, I think I use, you know, you steal them. Frankly, everyone steals everything. Um, but I don't know if uh, Tickle the Twine might be mine. or I'm going to go that maybe I stole it from Klauke. Um Klauke's great. So, um, but thank you, Matt. I appreciate you listening. Um, but I, I, I think as an announcer, I think sometimes, at least for me, the way my brain works, phrasing has made, like, catchphrases for me were very difficult early in my career, and they got me to not call the game correctly. Um, some of my worst calls are my best. I'm not. You know, I'm not going to win that. I'm not going to win the X's and O's uh, fundamentals of broadcasting award here. Um, so uh, what do we want? We want a championship level team on both sides of the ball. We don't want to lose back to back home games to 500 teams. OK, that's fine. I think that's fair. Um, I do think you do lose those games every now and then. And we just happen to do it back to back. Like, I don't think we're going 70 and 12. Um, right. Like, I mean, seriously, like if you suddenly eliminate like. We shouldn't lose. Both those teams were dead 500. Um, you know, you're going to lose some of them. I think what's hard to remember is, you know, I think if you, you probably, we probably have a 73% chance to win against Minnesota. Like I, that would be my guess. If you go to 538, maybe it's a little higher. Um, but 538 does um, your kind of odds of winning every game by a percentage, which uh, for those who watched Hillary Clinton in the election saw that that doesn't, um, mean that you win all the time um, on 538. So if you look, for example, um, the Nuggets are have a 72% chance to beat the Thunder today. So we have a, um, well, we actually have a 91% chance to beat the Timberwolves on, wow, I'm really surprised by that number. Why? Um, all right, so we have a 91% chance to win against, that seems really, really high. Um, and then we have an 82% chance to win against the Mavericks, which seems really, really high. Um, and then we go on the road and we have a 67% chance against the Spurs. Well, they never have us ever losing. Um, um, and then, um, what's our next one? We play the Blazers. We have a 57, like at some point you lose, right? Even if you have a 75% chance of all these things happening, eventually, um, you lose along the way at some point. So I think that's, I think you have to understand that. Um, same question, same. We need an elite win defender that can defend on the run. Don't need to score since we have lots of ways to score. So this is the general consensus, but what I think is, and we need to be better in transition defense, and I think we need some length in transition defense. So I generally agree with this, but like somebody, one player that doesn't need to score screws up everything. We already have a non-shooter on the floor. Like if we had five shooters on the floor and you wanted to add a non-shooter, you could cut or play off the ball or do something. That's fine. But we already have a non-shooter on the floor every night in Rudy Gobert. And so I think you have to be really careful about deciding whether or not you're going to go add another non-shooter to this mix because I think it could really be a disaster. And so that's... um, I think that, you know, you could you could really upset the offensive apple cart when you suddenly, you know, they don't really guard Royce O'Neal right now, okay? If you watch us play, we have less space on the floor when Royce O'Neal's on the floor than when Joe Ingles is on the floor. That's why when Joe starts in place of Royce, that game, our offense looked a little different. Okay, Royce does a lot of things well, and he hits 42% of his wide-open threes. If they don't guard 
the other guy, whoever you're adding in here, if you're gonna, if you're gonna play with Royce O'Neal, we basically have three non-scorers on the floor. Like now, you've really upset the apple cart. Now, you go put Royce O'Neal, someone in Royce O'Neal's spot instead, and they shoot. They better be able to shoot the three because they're not guarding them. And so then Donovan's not getting his look. Mike's not getting his look in our catch and shoots. They're not guarding. We we had that with Jay Crowder and Ricky Rubio. They they weren't guarded. They were wide open, and then they missed shots all the time. Um. What changes do we need to make to jump to the next level? Well, I don't know what the next level is, Keaton. I think the only next level really would be like a dominant def- number one seed, no questions asked. We're going to win it. No, only us or Brooklyn's going to win. Like right now, I look at it and I think it, Brooklyn probably has like a twenty percent chance to win it. Milwaukee's got a fifteen percent chance to win it. Phoenix got about a fifteen percent chance to win it. Golden State's got like a twelve percent. We got like a twelve percent. Like that's the way I would look at it. So. Like, the next level you're asking for, I think, if I get what you're saying, is, like, chance of winning the finals. I just went to, okay, I was pretty dang close. Bucks are at 23%. Suns are at 20 Jazz are at 18 Nets are at 13 um, according to 538. So, what you're really asking is, how do we get to 40% chance? Like, I don't think we do. If I'm totally honest. Like, we add an all-star? Like, what? Are we going to do that moves our next level would mean some level other than where we are? Now, can we make a move that moves us from a 15% chance to win a title to a 70% chance to win a title? Maybe. But like next level, what you're saying is, how do we go from 15% chance to 35% chance to win the title? And we're like certain, undisputed, we're going, I I, I don't have that. I don't have that. I mean, that's like... I don't know. Like, is there an NBA All Star that we trade for Boyan Bogdanovich and Joe Ingles for an NBA All Star? Then yeah, like, and then and 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 we don't disrupt who we are. Like Paul George, sure. Yeah, we go trade Boyan and Joe Ingles for Paul George, and yeah, I think I think we suddenly would be the undisputed like Western Conference champ. But we're not doing that. Like that's that. So I I don't. I don't think there is like that next level. I think we're moving incrementally like one and 2% at a time. That is locked on jazz from the van down by the river. Hope you're having a great one. Thanks for tuning in.